This is a warning, sugar. You're about to listen to the masters of the obvious. But I'm going to keep it real with you, my sweet babies. These mamas ain't masters of shit. It's just two stone-cold foxes and their feminist agenda. But if you dig sexy things like interviews down by the fireplace, talking nerdy and little double entendre, keep on keeping on, because they're about to lay it on you. Right on. It's getting cold out there, so grab a blanket, cushy your tushy, and settle down for the 14th episode of Masters of the Obvious. I'm Kirsten Bozio. And I'm Cynthia Rose. On this episode, Kirsten and I discuss new comic releases and what we think celebrities smell like. But first, we'd like to remind you to go to mastersoftheobvious.com. We have a ton of merch for sale, and if you'd like to support this pod by taking advantage of free shipping in the U.S., well... We really appreciate you. And hey, I was just blinded by your beauty, so I'm going to need your name and number for insurance purposes. You'll be hearing from my lawyer, bucko. And you can check out our shop and show your support at mastersoftheobvious.com. Are you trapped in the closet with nerd news? I am. It's honestly, it's a hostage situation. I can't get out until I do it. So let's let's hear it. Let's get you out of there. Let's do this. So you're about this one. Zachary, Levi, really... Put his own foot in his mouth recently. Ooh, so that's a uh, that's the uh, movie Shazam star. Yeah, he's also in Marvelous Miss Maisel, and now I'm not so upset that she didn't end up with him because what a tool! Oh my god, I totally didn't catch up. That was him. What? Yeah, I wanted her to end up with him. I was like, that guy's yeah, do it. My husband was about to stop watching. He was so upset by that that she didn't get together with him. Yeah, but uh, yeah, so he said some weird stuff after joe biden won tell me i mean verbatim today half of us americans are rejoicing while the other half are gripped with fear (laughs) i mean i'm sorry i can't even read all of it because it's just so tone deaf it's ridiculous too to give credence to this fake fear that people have about socialism because first of all because socialism is the only thing i could think that maybe these people are afraid of and the fact mm-hmm. of the matter is, is that A, Joe Biden is not a socialist. And B, stop making socialism your fucking boogeyman. It's it's tired. It's old. Also, like, and there's a difference between socialism and democratic socialism. Which absolutely. Is, so he's not either. <laughs> and again, I'm just inferring that this is the thing that they're afraid of. Because what else could it be? They're afraid that they can't say the N-word in public anymore. Like, what are they actually afraid of? Taxes, which actually doesn't make sense because Donald Trump's tax plan means a hike in them starting early next year. So actually, they're getting relief with Biden. I can't even read all of it, but when he was called out on his like calls to empathy to us before a side that really hasn't shown us empathy, he just doubled down on it. He is saying that we're, you know, you're minimalizing and trivializing conservative concerns. And what the hell have they been doing? I just, I just don't understand. Look, um, I'm not, I don't really care about it's good. They did it. We can do it too. What I do care about is the fact that their concerns, quote unquote, are not rooted in reality. 
why are we coddling people who are believing things that are not rooted in reality? Now, mm-hmm. I will say that I do get, yes, for to some extent, we have to reach out to these people, but I don't think we have to reach an olive branch out to them as much as a fucking education. Yeah. And and that was something that was brought up by some of my Jewish friends and how in Judaism, like forgiveness means forgiving somebody who is actively changed and is working on becoming better. Yeah. You do not have to forgive people who are trying to hurt you and are continuing to act the way they're acting. I think that that's kind of the downfall. And I've seen it since I was a kid that as much as I believe in dem- democratic like uh, principles and, and helping people, fucking pussies. Like they just give and give and give kind of like in the good place, like the good place architects. I mean, and I, I might consider myself a, a leftist. I don't even I don't even in the liberal or democratic camp. I, I think the only candidate I really got excited about was um, Bernie and Warren sometimes. So like he Biden's not my ideal candidate, but I do know that getting him in office is the first step towards at least maintaining the status quo that was before Trump. And then we can you know, we can riot and we can unionize and we can ask for change. It's more possible under his presidency than the last one. Sure. Yeah, we absolutely. The only way to uh, change a democracy is for the democracy to still exist. And like Mm -hmm. under Trump, that's threatened. Like we may not have one, even if he's actively, you know, threatening it right now. Yeah. And that leads in perfectly to our next story, which is um, that Donald Trump's reelection campaign set up a hotline on Election Day that encouraged people to call in report election fraud, which they you know swore up and down was happening. And we actually found out recently that the only fraud that was going on was actually from Trump's side. Anyway, uh, but the, the delightful thing about this hotline is that it didn't really go the way they wanted it to. <laughs> Um, it didn't result in actual election fraud, but just a ton of pranking. And I would love to share with you some examples of my favorites. Please. I saw people who were literally spreading poop all over their ballots. <laughs> Can you imagine being one of these people on this fucking hotline? Oh, my God. Yeah, they're having a really rough time right now. I think I can't remember which news source reported it, but they are having a hell of a time right now. A lot of news sources are reporting that they're having a rough time. They had to change the phone number at one point. Yeah, I saw that. I did. Uh, Okay, this one's great. Hello. I saw a dead person voting for Joe Biden in Philadelphia. His eyes were glassy. He smelled like a corpse and he walked up to the check-in table and said, I have awoken from my internal slumber to feast on the brains of the living and also vote for Joe Biden. (laughs) And also vote for Joe Biden. (laughs) (laughs) One Georgia woman said that she was approached by a man with, with red skin while she was in line to vote. He challenged me to a fiddle competition. Otherwise, Biden was going to win. Oh, the devil went down to Georgia. (laughs) Genius. So good. And I heard a few like people saying like, oh, I, uh, yeah, I saw some election fraud. Yeah, I live in Pennsylvania. Yeah, the guy was wearing a big black hat and a striped suit and a red tie. And (laughs) he had a bunch of hamburgers in his bag. (laughs) For a second there, I thought you were describing the Monopoly man. (laughs) Who also had bags full of things that he was running with. (laughs) Okay, I think it's time for The Mandalorian Season 2, Episode 2 Recap. 
Oh, no. And for anyone listening that has not seen it yet, tune out for like the next, I don't know, three to five minutes. Let me just go over what happened and then we can talk about it. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You're so upset. I love it. um... I'm feasting on your misery. Like the corpse man who voted for Biden. So they're trotting along, you know, having a time when this like crew rolls up and decides to attack them and take their stuff, right? The man- Mando or the Dadalorian wins. And my favorite part was we gave one of the bandits his jetpack and then activated it. I love that. That was great. That was genius. We love that. So then they finally make it back to Pelimoto. And they start to go on their quest to find other Mandalorians because, of course, that's what he was told to do. He needed to find Baby Yoda, his people, and to do so, needed to hook up with some Mandalorians. But the problem is that they have to take a passenger with them. And this passenger has the information that they need, except this is a frog lady. And I, I was I had to go back and look. I'm like, it was her name frog lady. Yes. In the credits, she's listed as frog lady. She's trying to meet with her husband to fertilize her eggs. She has this <laughs> backpack, right? Honestly, mm-hmm. is a look that's so futuristic. And what, what was I calling it? It was like a, it was a backpack full of forbidden boba. Oh. I was getting like lava lamp vibes from it. I was, I was a straight vibing with this lady. Yeah. Well, well, fucking baby Yoda was vibing with it too. He was. And so anyway, so she's bringing with her, which means that they can't go super fast. So they have to travel very slowly. And what happens? And then we get to see X-Wings and X-Wing pilots yes. being space police. We get to watch are the good guys be the police, which I was not thrilled about watching. I mean, but it makes sense. Mando is does have some warrants out for him. Um, he's a wanted man. For being sexy. For, <laughs> who doesn't want him? Hello. <laughs> but yeah, so he's trying to escape the New Republic and hides the ship and ends up falling and crashing. The frog lady leaves with the eggs to warm up in a hot springs. It's super cold on this planet. Was it like a Hoth? I got a Hoth vibe from that planet. I thought it was Hoth. We can't forget... That before before she ran off to go to the hot spring, she like rigged up the robotic suit as like almost yeah. like, a, like a karaoke machine. That was badass. Yeah. Because when she was looking at it, I was like, oh, man, is this just all a ruse? Like, is she just on the ship to get these guys that he had, you know, captured? Like, was this just false pretense? And yeah. no, she's just a fucking badass and figured out how to communicate. That's a, that was a really fun red herring for sure. I, yeah, I thought for sure she's going to suit up and kick some butt. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it just speaks to the fact that this character is very resilient. And she said that she's very resilient. She's worked too hard. She's gone too far. She's not going to give up on this mission right now. Yeah, um, right. Uh, did she notice that her eggs were, the, the amount was getting smaller and smaller? I think she did. But I also get the impression she's the kind of lady, the kind of frog lady that picks her battles. She's like, okay, mm. most of them are still there. I'm not going to start beef with this guy who I'm depending on. That's the vibe um, I got. So yeah, so he, she decides to warm up her eggs, except for in the cave that she's doing it, there are a bunch of fucking spider eggs. Yeah, that was not fun. It wasn't. Yeah, that was a very like forbidden forest Harry Potter moment for me. Yeah. Again, Baby Yoda is the fucking reason. He was fucking, wasn't he fucking around with the, the eggs? He was eating them again. Again, egg crazy mm-hmm. Yoda. Um, I mean, who knows if... 
he triggered it or just being in there would have done it. But I, I can't, I can't with Baby Yoda this episode. Honestly, you're gonna hate me. I can't with Baby Yoda in general because it seems like he then starts a lot of the shit. Show man, he starts the a show. lot of shit. To be fair, I don't think this is a show in, in the classic Star Wars sense. It's not about wars. It's not about politics. It's not about anything. I think it's about parenthood at its core. Don't you think? I don't know. More about babysitting. Babysitting? I, there's, I feel like there's definitely some fatherhooding going on. Because I, I, I fucking relate to my kids sabotaging me constantly. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I love Baby Yoda. I would die for Baby Yoda. In this episode, I was like, you're a fucking dick, Baby Yoda. I wanted to punt Baby Yoda. I was not happy with Baby Yoda this entire episode. And I even thought, okay, he's going to pull through. And in the end, he's going to use his little fucking force powers. For the the spiders, right? And lift. Well, no, I just thought he'll lift the fucking ship out of the muck. I thought there was a problem and he would fix it somehow. And no, he didn't do shit this whole episode except for being a fuck up. Yeah, that's exactly what we got from this episode. Um, but thankfully, the X-Wing pilots came back, saved their asses um, from the space spiders. Yeah. Which were terrifying. So, yeah, yeah. My son's, like, biggest fear is, like, spiders. So he was like, why didn't he just throw these charges at their legs and kill them? <laughs> he was, like, <laughs> so upset about it. I, I feel like it was definitely, like, a filler episode, right? But I do feel like Frog Lady is going to be a more more of an integral part than we think. Despite all my problems with Baby Yoda this episode, my real problem with this episode is you don't end the last episode with Boba Fett and then give me a filler episode. That's rude. We gotta make it last. That's rude. We gotta make it last. I mean, this isn't like Come based on. off of anything either, really. Like, there's no source material, so they, they, can, they have room they for meandering. What's next? <laughs> you wanna, you're like so upset about this episode that you're like done with it. I'm just happy that your precious baby Yoda did something wrong. <laughs> I feel validated in my unpopular opinion that he's overhyped. I don't care. Eat the babies. I take it back. I love them. Fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> he just wanted some sushi. What do you want? We're talking about Star Wars. Let's go on to Star Trek. CBS Star Trek Discovery has kind of a weird record when it comes to queer representation. And that's only made worse by the introduction of their first non-binary character, Adira, and the transgender character, Grey. In the last episode of Discovery, Adira is introduced as this like really badass, smart character that joins the USS Discovery. And Gray is a trill. And when we're introduced to the character, is dead. <laughs> what? Yeah. So they're lovers, and Gray's entire story is a memory. Oh. So I mean, they're both dead? No, Gray is. Okay. Gray is their lost love and is now the host of a. Ta- as a of a tall symbiote so they're I'm sorry, immortal what? no wait what what i'm yeah. so confused the quote from riley silverman from sci-fi wire now i'm on record as saying that i do not believe that the immortal queer characters as a solution to burying them in order to truly gain a justifiable level of diversity and representation we need enough various groups represented in narratives so that one character's experiences their loss their pain do not have to act in as a stand-in their entire community that said it's hard to get to know someone if you just kill them off immediately as if they're disposable i am angry because even while star trek has taken great strides to rectify the mistakes of the past it is frustrating that they choose to introduce trans characters into the narrative through a blood-soaked lens of trauma i'm sure a lot of people are going to be like oh you're damned if you do you're damned if you don't well it's just like how about 
don't kill them off. Like that's just, what's the point? Yeah. I mean, it has some similarities to, you know, women in refrigerators as well. We're like, okay, we get a character, we get representation, except for it's through like a traumatic experience, usually to, to further, further another, yeah, another character's yeah. And that's not necessarily story. what's happening. They're not, they're not necessarily further, furthering, uh, you know, a cis or a straight character. It's, it ties into another queer character, but the tr- yeah, the trauma, the blood soak lens is, is also very similar to like the push that we should see more black boy joy because we see so many storylines and narratives where, you know, black men are suffering and, uh, you know, put through these trials and tribulations. Like, why can't we have a happy story? <laughs> Right. But along the same lines, we were just we just got the announcement that Jess Quick, aka Kid Quick, is a non-binary speedster from Earth Eleven and is going to be introduced in the Future States Justice League. We did a breakdown of a couple episodes of what Future State's gonna look like. And it, you know, it is a welcome alternative to like the typical cis white heroes, and it'll easily be the highest um profile non-binary character in DC and actually in other characters in the big two as well. Like the only thing I can think of is the the new New Warriors character Snowflake, who's non-binary and received a lot of backlash because like what a terrible name oh, yeah. for a character. I the only thing I can think of is on Supergirl, there is a trans character, but that's mm-hmm. a TV show and that's not non-binary. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I have a lot of mixed feelings about this. I feel like it is better representation than what we're getting from the new New Warriors. Um, but at the same time, we know that Future State's going to be a limited event starting in January, ending in March. So uh, it doesn't feel like a big win. Yeah. Um, we're probably only going to see these characters for so long. And we are getting a lot of great representation. We're getting, you know, Yara Floor and Nubia and. A lot of really interesting characters. I just wish that it went beyond that. Again, I, I can't talk about New New Warriors more and how it was such a tone deaf thing to call it on Baron character Snowflake. And then it was justified by saying, oh, we're reclaiming the word Snowflake. Yeah, but it still sounds like a joke to people who think that non-binary existences are a joke. And to hear people constantly quip about it and, and, and invalidate people or non-binary like hurts so that means that you're not doing something good for the community and now are the writers sis yes okay well that's telling from my from my understanding they are that's telling so this is my question then how are cis people reclaiming anything like what are you you're reclaiming it for someone that you're not <laughs> so yeah that makes zero sense zero yeah that's like naming a black character the n-word and being like me doing it and being like what i'm reclaiming it like what? no <laughs> absolutely no sense How? yeah like no like sense. the slut walk like i've done the slut walk for a couple of years and obviously that's a instance of reclaiming the word slut but if a man were to call me a slut that's not the same thing or write you as a character and then call it you know slut, slut girl when i'm reclaiming it for you yeah <laughs> no really bizarre this is kind of a segue into the next topic and it's about representation and then the kind of the toxic fandom pushback against it. John Boyega, who we've talked about a couple of times, we love him, spoke to Variety and said that studios should publicly get involved in the fight against toxic fandom. 
instead of just like allowing it to go on and like allowing the actors to get driven off of social media and be harassed. Yeah, that's interesting. It's an interesting take to have because I know for for a very long time, the, you know, the old adage of any, um, any publicity is good publicity. I'm sure that these old timers still think that, you know, even though this is like super bad. But they're, they're an authority and people, whether or not people will listen to the gesture alone is worth it. But yeah, he said, when one of your actors, especially an actor that's so prominent in the story, is announced as part of your franchise, then it has a big racial backlash, receives abuse online, and that starts to form a shadow on what is supposed to be an amazing gift. It is important for the studios to definitely lend their voice, lend their support to that, and have a sense of solidarity, not just in the public eye, but on the ground on set. And I think that I think that ties into what's happening, you know, Ray Fisher with Joss Whedon, um, you know, Rose Tycho, um, Kelly Marie Tran, Brie Larson. And like obviously not all of those are instances of 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 racism, but you know, sexism and and we've made this joke a million times, like I wish, you know, they were representing me. There should be more neckbeards in movies. Like Yeah. You've had your time. What is wrong with having like little girls see themselves in a sci-fi or a superhero role or little black boys or, you know, queer kids. Like it's just, it's gatekeeping. What's wrong with having movies, entertainment look like the rest, look like the country, if not the rest of the world. The thing Mm -hmm. is, is that a lot of these people and I guarantee you that this is part of the problem. It's part of our political problem as well. They don't leave these small towns and these small towns are very homogenized. Mm-hmm. So they think that there's just fringe people that they're bringing into these things and they don't understand it's part of a broader picture. It's part of what the entire country and the world looks like because they don't know. They don't know outside of their small podunk town with their one stop and shop and their one fucking Walmart, you know? Right. And and they're the same people who don't understand that racism and sexism and other things are are very much alive and affecting people's lives um, because they haven't experienced it themselves or they're not around. Wow! It. Imagine that. And that they haven't experienced it outside of perpetuating it. And, and non-binary folks too, like they do exist, and maybe you haven't, you know, been around some. Like they're they're just normal fucking people, and. Um, it's so easy to vilify and other somebody who you don't understand. So I think it is important for studios, you know, even in the comics industry as well to, to stand by what they're doing and, and be that voice, even if it doesn't really convince anybody. Like I said, it's the act of doing it. That's it's the right thing to do. Right. I mean, the thing is, is that more and more, or shall I say less and less, is it becoming prevalent, even in these small towns to really think that I know it's, not quite, we're not quite there, but more so than maybe 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago, they're more and more accepting of just regular, everyday gay people, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anything outside of that they think is fringe and crazy, but the more they're represented, the more they're being shown and exposed to this, then the, you know, just like with regular old gay culture, it, their minds will become used to it. And they will start accepting it more too. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, I feel like uh, shows like Will and Grace, even having, even though I know she's not the best, but like having Ellen on, you know, primetime, daytime sure. television yeah. really changed people's ideas about gay people. And if we just keep having that representation, keep 
we're not shoving it down your throats. We're just showing you how people are and, and having it be accurate and positive representation. Whether they're not like serial killers or predators or whatever, they're not going to be as scared by it. We got it. We got to just refine the gay agenda is what, is what, is what we're <laughs> really, really streamline it. Um, I just had a really interesting conversation in, in a Facebook group where we were discussing like sapphic representation, like women loving women and how it, you see it a lot more in kids' cartoons like She-Ra and Steven Universe yeah. and Owl House and, or, or, fe- or like more feminine gay people. And there was a big debate and I actually found it really upsetting that people truly think that beca- that that women loving women, sapphics, lesbians, whatever, are more appetizing to the general public because it's not taken as seriously. It's not as, as big of a threat to someone's masculinity than, than two men. But like I've definitely in, in pop culture seen more white, beautiful gay men, beautiful gay men than I've mm-hmm. seen any kind of sapphic representation. And they're not taking into account that the fact that the creators of these shows and mm-hmm. Noel, like Noel Stevenson and Rebecca Sugar are queer. Like right. they're not they're not doing it to make it more easy, more appetizing for the general population. But to be fair, I you know you are seeing it more now, and it would be cool to see more queer men or more masculine queer men in kids cartoons in media like that yeah i just want the day where it's a non-issue it's almost like and i'm gonna bring it back to politics one more time my apologies for so long this this whole uh political scope was very focused on getting rid of trump getting rid of trump getting rid of trump we totally bypassed the uh revelation and the the very glaring um reality that we got our first female first person of color as a vice president mm-hmm. um and a lot of people were like oh that's so of course no one paid attention fuck that so sexist and i'm like god i i want i want i want it to be a non-issue so from the same way like uh, god i really hope someday it's like a non-fucking issue when somebody gay or somebody trans is in a fucking show like please god let it not be a fucking issue oh my god there's people in shows yeah like <laughs> it's like that facebook page man who has it all yes where they, they they flip the sexes the sexist roles where it's like wow can a can a man be a father and be a ceo you know let us know your your thoughts or it's like oh wow this is a male soccer player because you do yeah like and this is has a lot to do with feminist frequency has a really excellent YouTube video about this called the Miss Male, you know, Miss Pac-Man, She-Hulk, Spider-Woman. It's always the variant on the original that yeah. women are the variant and that's and they're not they're never the default and that's so maddening that like any representation that's not a straight white man or straight white abled even man like having someone who's disabled that's always a variant. It's always... I can't wait for the day that it's no longer a fucking issue. Yeah. I can't wait for a day where it wouldn't give it a second thought. Like, I, I really do. I, it would be great. Just to kind of change gears here, this is also a pretty heavy topic. Um, Johnny Depp. We've seen the drama. We know what's going on. Um, there's some domestic violence accusations on both sides between him and his strange wife, Amber Heard. Um, now, I have a question. Hold on, but just pause here for a second. Yeah. Do you want to explain to me? Now, I know, sorry, I cut you off. You're about to say that he got fired from Fantastic Beasts. What precipitated that? Because I don't understand how at this moment 
this has been going on for a while. Why at this moment are people okay. saying that that's enough? It's because a UK court, and this is like a, a defamation court case that he had, you know, filed against the Sun, which is a newspaper in the UK. Um, the UK court uh, actually affirmed that he can be called a wife beater looking at evidence. One of the most jarring things that I saw from this hmm. was that Johnny Depp had set, sent Paul Bettany, who plays Vision in Marvel and WandaVision. Yeah. Um, there was messages that he sent him where he called her a witch and said that he would fuck her burnt corpse afterwards to make sure she's dead. This what? is When was this? I mean, it, it was just information that was in the court case. Wow. Now... Uh- Another weird thing, because I'm I am just learning this as you're as in real time as you're telling it to me. Now uh-huh. Warner Brothers asked him to resign. Now is Warner Brothers going to ask Amber Heard to resign from her role in Aquaman, or is are they asking Johnny Depp to resign so they can hold on to Amber Heard and sort of like advocating for her? My hot take is that they're both awful people. Right. I, I venture to say that Depp may be even more so just because there's a there is an obvious power dynamic in that relationship but uh, but clear cut i can say that they're they they are both toxic together and not great people to be fair i don't really care about all things jk rowling including the fantastic beast those movies weren't great to begin with i wasn't stoked on him being cast after hearing what was going on and i, I found it even more interesting that jk rowling who I dislike for a myriad of reasons, transphobia being number one, um, didn't seem to really care that he was uh, let go. Right. Which I'm like, great. I agree with J.K. Rowling. Well, how could 2020 be any weirder? Should we bring up some sad news? Some sad news? Yeah, that Alex Trebek died. <sighs> I'm I'm more affected by that than Sean Connery, I'll be honest. I, the, but the memes, because both of them are dead, are just beautiful i also have a really lovely piece of wholesome news too on twitter twin peaks co-creator mark frost announced that joe biden is an honorary book house boy and (laughs) to all nerdy twin peaks people that's just so heartwarming and lovely and that he he also went on to say that he gets free coffee and and books whenever he wants and i'm just like oh god yay yay for wholesome that's so cute one day i will understand all your twin peaks references you're gonna we're gonna we're gonna live tweet Twin Peaks and you're then, it, yeah. while you're watching it, and then we're gonna come back to this episode and you're gonna listen to it and you're gonna be like, oh my I, god, so cute. We have to do an episode where I I guess what Twin Peaks is. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'll tell you what I know about it and try to piece it together into like a cohesive storyline, and then I can find out how wrong I am. I love it because the more cohesive you try to make it, the wronger you'll be. The wronger you'll be. This is David Lynch. <laughs> I am familiar with David Lynch, though. I, 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 okay. I have something to base it off of, which is a whole lot of nothing. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I know so much about David Lynch, and really that means I know nothing. <laughs> uh, a piece of non-news here. Loki's going to be gay in his TV series for Disney+. Plus. Yeah, that's non-news. I... Who doesn't know Loki's gay? Right. And he's so much gayer, you know, in the comic books that like, okay. But I like that for people who are only familiar with like the Marvel cinematic universe. I mean, we have hints here and there, but that he's a chaotic bisexual, but it was never really confirmed. And of course they wouldn't have done that in the movies. So it is cool for all the people that like those movies 
who wanted queer representation, here it is on a silver platter. Love it. Love to hear it. I also will venture to say that everyone in The Princess Bride is a chaotic bisexual. <laughs> and The Mummy. Oh, or maybe yay. The Mummy just made me realize I was a bisexual. <laughs> you had a lot of realize. There's like... <laughs> I had a lot of... Well, because I, I do doubt myself sometimes. You, you go okay. through that period and then I, you know, get affirmation after affirmation after affirmation. Can we talk about my favorite piece of 2020 news now? Okay. Okay. Um... Oh my God, the four seasons. <laughs> oh, sweet Jesus, it's the gift that keeps on giving. By far, my favorite piece of 2020 news, of course, after Trump losing and the entire world celebrating, that also. That was fabulous news. <laughs> how, how terrible of a person do you have to be that the entire world separate, celebrates when you're fired? The entire world is celebrating all the uh, all the leaders, even the ones that were like, oh, you're my friend, are like, nope, okay, you're not it. Hey, congratulations, Joe Biden. Even though this fucking dipshit hasn't conceded yet. Trump tweeted that his campaign would have a press conference at the Four Seasons. And the Four Seasons Philadelphia said, oh, hey, um, no, not true. You will not be here. Wait, I, I, I want to know, like, were they actually booked or did they just not want them there? Okay, so uh, it's been... It's been reported in many ways. Some people say that they were it wasn't booked and, and then they had to scramble. Mm-hmm. Um, and some people say that um, they made a mistake and called the wrong place to begin with. But I think that's a pretty difficult mistake to make. Yeah, it kind of it kind of feels like something a pathological liar would do where, um, you know, you lie about something and then you try to get the second best thing to make it seem like you never lied. But here's the thing, working in events and knowing how hard these event planners and people working for teams like this, how hard they work and how many, how many, um, how many strings they pull and how many, you know, favors they pull in. And it, the fact that his team could not make this happen at the actual Four Seasons is so hilarious to me. So you made a mistake. No big deal. <laughs> fucking no one will know about it. We'll fucking get you into the Four Seasons. Oh, sorry. No, we won't because no one fucking wants you. <laughs> So what did they do? They had they booked it at the fucking Four Seasons landscaping and also, the outskirts I'm of town. Little, I'm a little bummed out they didn't try to judge it up a little bit either. Like it's even better. Oh god, oh god, with the they fucking stapled just Trump signs to the fucking door. Oh god, it's the greatest thing I've ever fucking. Like seen. how hard is it to put a little makeshift stage up with some sort of background? Like I even put up backgrounds in my house for photos. Nope, couldn't be bothered. So next to a crematorium and a porn shop, I don't even. There is no better fucking metaphor for his fucking campaign. Oh, it's twenty twenty. I just, I'm so in love with this story, and and also, and also, Giuliani brought a sex offender <laughs> to the fucking press conference. I just, I can't. Like it just, it's the gift that keeps on giving. It's the worst fucking clusterfuck. I love it. Can't make so much, up. too much. I love it too much. I should not. It's 2020. I should not be allowed to love anything this much. <laughs> <laughs> I love it more than Baby Yoda. I love it. <laughs> you got your you got your sheet cake and your icing and your sprinkles. Oh. And, and mwah, they, mwah, they mwah. even tuck the bib into your shirt for you. Beautiful. It's it's truly the best. And I'm I, I mean I. 
I don't know. Um, Lenora in our last interview had said that she was the only person that got something out of the Trump can't, a Trump being president being that, you know, they should, because, you know, she got something out of like information from sharing a stock with Ivanka Trump. Now mm-hmm. I have gotten something out of yeah. it. <laughs> You're not the only one, Lenora. This is a new level of joy that I didn't know I could feel. The gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> well, and it's nice that we're finally able to have some sort of joy because before, when Trump did something stupid, yeah. it was hurting the entire country. You know and what? You're right. I I, th- I feel like now that he has no power or less power or the the fact that he's I, I on see his way out at the end of the tunnel, yeah. I can I, maybe that's why I'm able to feel joy. But yeah. like I feel it, and it's wonderful. I I really got a spring in my step this this whole this weekend after hearing the news. Like I had not felt like that in a long time. I was cleaning my house. I, I felt like. Even my like my clouds in my mind cleared. It was amazing, and I love that we both had these wonderful things. And neither of us are but big Biden fans. Like we didn't, no. you know, we don't. It's not that's not why. Like, well, vote for Biden is a vote against Trump. That's why I did it. Yeah, and it's interesting. Like during the campaign, like there'd be Trump supporters coming around, and be like, "Why are you voting for Joe Biden?" I mean, like other than not liking Trump, and it's like, okay, I I can give you reasons, but like. Don't discount that as being a good reason. It's not it's not like you're like, it's not a big gotcha moment, motherfucker. Like the fact that your guy is such a douchebag is enough reason aside from, Absolutely. The, you know, some that I can actually give you like policy wise. Well, and what's like what's, your dude is a shithead. I mean, the last four years were basically a campaign for Biden. It's time for me to hit you upside the head with my comics list. It's like teabagging, but with comics. <laughs> It's like when NSYNC came out and they flew over your kids in the crowd, teabagging the children. <laughs> Here it comes. Wait, didn't didn't Sasha Baron Cohen actually do that to Eminem? Oh, I don't know. He, it was an award show and he flew crotch first into Eminem in the crowd. God, something tells me that Eminem would not be okay with that. It definitely was not okay with that. No matter how many times Elton John says that mm-hmm. he's not homophobic, I don't believe mm-hmm. it. Yeah, me neither. Um, where were we? <laughs> Your comics list. Your comics list. All right. King in Black, Beta Ray Bill number one. This is the True Believer's second reprint. I love the storyline. Please get into it, Cynthia. He's Thor. We love this. It's the worst thing to ever happen and the best thing to ever happen to Thor. Thanos, the Infinity Saga, the Omnibus is out. The Magnificent Miss Marvel number 16. Killing Red Sonia number four. Bionic. Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Chosen Ones, trade paperback. American Vampire, 1976, number two. Punchline Special, number one. I debated putting that on, but I, I'm i going to buy it and I'm going to read it and I want you to buy it and read it and then we can be like trauma bonded. It'll be great. <laughs> um, Sandman, The Book of Magic, volume one, Omnibus. Teen Titans, Raven and Beast Boy, box set. My kids fucking love those i recommend it for all readers wonder woman number 766 getting it together number two i love that your comics list and now i know this for sure because you've admitted it is just so you can tell me in particular what you think i need to buy it is i mean it's also things that i think would be good for our listeners too which i know is like kind of presumptuous but i see so many comic books lists and you can look online to get your comics bus book your comic bus <laughs> your comic you could, busty list <laughs> your comic list online but like you know woman to whatever you are this is what i think you should read <laughs> 
No, that's great. I, I mean, it's it's weird to say presumptuous because it's presumptuous to do a fucking podcast in general. I mean, it's presu- it's presumptuous to think anyone will listen. Agreed. But, um, uh, we do have listeners. I'm just a, I'm just a sweet sweet mama to my faceless listeners. <laughs> the presenting sponsor of Masters of the Obvious is. Us. Producing a podcast is expensive, but you can keep your favorite show in business. MastersoftheObvious.com has all your Motopod merch needs. Need a bag to hold cans of soup for your family? What? It's just soup for my family. Like saving money with free shipping? Well, we have the perfect place for you. MastersoftheObvious.com. Buy merch, be a hero to these needy nerds. We just have to bring this up, Cynthia. Do we? Do people need to know? You know, if you haven't reviewed our podcast yet, I want you to know that it brings us so much joy to read them. So please go and do it. It truly does. We just got a new one and it was so delightful. I really do want to just give a shout out to Grizzard the Guy. (laughs) That's such a good name. (laughs) Grizzard, my man. Love you. This review literally it touched me in places that I don't think you meant to. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the the title alone, my brain hurts in a good way, right? Here's our five-star review from Grizzard the Guy. All right. I learned so much in an hour. I've decided to stop going to school and just listen to this podcast. <laughs> This show really answers the question. What if Entertainment Tonight ran really hard into the comic book guy from The Simpsons and it took place in the Wayne's World basement? (laughs) Who's asking that question, though? (laughs) I mean, Grizzard is, and we finally answered it for him. And he no longer needs school. I'm, you know what? You're welcome and thank you. There's really no segue from that, but let, do you want to talk about what we think uh, celebrities smell like? Absolutely. I mean, I feel like it should be what we what they look like they smell like. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I even there's even one on here who I have met, so I know what he smells like. But I'm going to tell you what I what he what he looks like. He smells like. Was it Trump? No. Would you like to go first? Well, I would love to hear your Trump. Oh, my Trump is, he smells like old pancake makeup that's gone bad and salami. (laughs) I just put pee. (laughs) (laughs) You know that guy piddles himself all the time. (laughs) Absolutely. Okay, this was just like so easy for me because he has said what he smells like. Robert Pattinson smells Mm -hmm. like a crayon. I put he smells like lavender and crayons. Oh, I'm glad that you softened the crayon. I think that's what he smells like. Yeah, I think that's that's accurate. Uh, yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> I just I think about him a lot, so <laughs> I just I like to open a fresh pack of crayons and think about Robert Pattinson. It's uh, a waxy motherfucker. All right, so uh, how about your Jared Leto? Urban Outfitters. Ooh. See, I, now he's the guy that I've I've taken meetings with, so I, I know what he smells like. But if you were just to look at him and think about what he smells like, I'm going to say Vaseline and milk. Vaseline and milk. <laughs> like an alternative yeah. milk or dairy? No, dairy. Oh, God. That's even worse. Um, what does your Brie Larson smell like? I say gardenia and waffles. 
Ooh, I like that. I, I was very to the point. Herbal essences. <laughs> She's a totally organic experience. <laughs> oh, she really is. Josh Sweden's a fun one. I want to hear yours. Oh, I said sweat and fried eggs. Oh, close. This is very close. Um, <laughs> I can't even say it without laughing. He smells like thumbs. <laughs> and, and an anime convention. Ooh, that is close. That's that is so close. close. I'll just give you my Don Cheetah while I'm at it. Okay. Okay. I think he smells like a new car and mint. Oh, nice. Yeah. Mine, and mine's so nice, too. I say that I think he smells like t- uh, Tom Ford tobacco, vanilla, and cocoa butter. Ooh, yeah. Oh. Like delish, delish. That's, that's wonderful. Uh, Chris Pratt is another fun one we can do. What, what did you get for him? I said baby oil and White Castle. he smells like a boiled hamburger with onions and then just real disgusting mineral oil baby oil i went i went in the other direction okay i i said that he smells like bleach and axe Mm. body spray Ooh, yeah that's more accurate i like mine better though (laughs) yeah (laughs) i just white castle you did a giuliani right i did a giuliani yes all right. I think he smells like the inside of a New Jersey path train and old dentures. <laughs> Wait, mine's really close. Okay. That mystery smell in the fridge, just like a like a general rot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we're very close. I think the all three That's of those things close. have a very similar smell. Mm-hmm. I think we. I think you also had a Patton Oswald, right? I do. Yeah. I think he smells like circus peanuts. I thought you were gonna say like comic books. Or something along those lines. Just circus peanuts. Just fucking circus peanuts. That's so random. I said, I said dial soap. Okay. And enamel figurine paint. I love that we were like, let's just do this, not tell each other and how different and equally weird each of ours. <laughs> um, Elon Musk. That's another one that we both caught, right? I have three things he smells like. I went, oh, wow. I went big for Elon Musk. Okay. I said he smells like Play-Doh, cabbage, and wet dog. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I, I said that he smells like an Apple store. Oh, well. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's just accurate. Another accurate one, I have Lizzo. Okay. And she literally has a song called Coconut Oil. So there you go. Okay. I have Natasha Leone. She smells like day-old cigarettes and sex, obviously. Mm, yeah, yeah. That, that's a, that's a shoo-in. I have uh, Megan Fox. Ooh. Just because I associate her with a specific era, Okay, I said Victoria's Secret bombshell. Okay. Yeah, that, sound, that feels right. I have uh, Steve Mnuchin. <laughs> okay. And this one might be my greatest accomplishment because this has got to be what he smells like. Okay? Okay. Hit me with it. I'm going to extend this to his wife, too. She smells like this shit, too. Okay? They smell like cat spray on a hot radiator and a week-old milkshake in a car in Palm Springs. (laughs) Wait, this is the perfect lean-in for my last one. Okay. Carol Baskins. Ooh. She smells like a Hobby Lobby. Dude, she totally smells like a Hobby Lobby. Absolutely. All the potpourri. She smells like all the potpourri. And all the fabric, the the fake flowers as well. So for myself, I smell like deodorant not quite doing its job. (laughs) (laughs) 
and cotton candy juice bar glitter spray. Do you remember that stuff? No. It's a, it's a very nostalgic scent. It's just like a cotton candy perfume. I smell like cake and flop sweat. Cake and flop sweat? <laughs> Which I think Amy Poehler smells the same. I'm just going to put it out there. Why do we both think that we smell sweaty? Because <laughs> we do. We're fucking shut-ins. I was pretty nice when I came to you. Okay. And also, because you're you're forever a lesbian in my head, even though you're not. Okay. And I said cigarettes and leather. Yeah, I do present like a lesbian. I, I've come to accept that. Don't you cuff your jeans, too? I do. Wow. I wear a lot of flannel. There's a lot of queer baiting happening over there. I'm not okay with it. Well, how do you think we became friends? <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Under false. <laughs> Under false pretense. Yes. yes. <laughs> um, I said you smell like lemons and weed, like Beyonce. Oh, oh, that's so sweet. So, yeah, I think we're pretty accurate. I think we, I think we did a great job. We really did. I'm proud of us. Who do we love to talk about more than ourselves? Who do we love more? Oh, Brendan Fraser. Hmm. Okay, but he's not on the show. So not. (laughs) In lieu of Brendan Fraser, we're going to ask each other some questions. We'll get to know you. I mean, on this, what are we on? Episode 14? Like, Yeah. Let's do Shit. it. Like, I guess you should know who the hell is yammering at you for the last 14 hours. Well, Cynthia. Yeah. Let's start with you since you um, you should respect your elders and I think you should go first. <laughs> what are some things people would be surprised to learn about you? Um, that I'm not gay. <laughs> I was very surprised. I'm still surprised by this. You're you like to tell me every day how surprised you are. It actually kind of makes me mad because I know that you're not intentionally queer baiting, but like the cuff jeans, the Jack Daniels, <laughs> the low voice. What are you most nerdy about? And what is your, for lack of a better word, nerd blind spot? What what do you think that you don't know as much about? Let's start with what I know about the least. Probably comic books. Yeah. You do read them, though. Yes, but, like, it's not something that I've explored as much as people who can actually say that they're into comic books. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I have them, I read them, and maybe I'm more in, I know more than, like, my husband, but I would never go toe-to-toe with somebody who knows about comic books, because I would get my, I would get my ass handed to me every time. I think you do what a lot of uh, comic book readers do now which is you look at what you're interested in or like, or you pick up something because it looks cool. And I feel like back in the day and even like old school comic book readers tend to be like, read them like they're studying for a quiz. (laughs) Like they have to know all the things they have to be up to date on everything. And it's, which is fine, which is how I am about twin peaks. Yeah. Like you would be hard pressed to tell me anything that I do not know about twin peaks. Did you know that? <laughs> no, I'm not even going to try. Uh, yeah, definitely Twin Peaks. Probably, I mean, maybe Buffy. Star Wars. Star Wars. Definitely Star Wars. I was surprised to learn is how much you knew about horror. Yeah. 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 Definitely know a lot about horror. Wrestling. Uh, again, going wrestling, but I will not go to toe-to-toe with a wrestling person. I know more than the average bear, but I would not say that I'm a I'm a I'm, I'm that versed in it because there are people out there who are like insane 
And I can go toe to toe with a Star Wars guy. I can go toe to toe with a Twin Peaks guy, but I will not fuck around and go toe to toe with a fucking wrestler guy. Those are intense guys. And it's, it's, it's a very interesting smattering of people that are into wrestling as well. What I can do is impress by throwing out there things, something that I know, like, oh, wow, look at her. She knows something. But then, of course, I'll try and check me and I will fucking just <laughs> back myself into a corner. Oh, music. Music is something that you're super nerdy about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Music, uh, instruments. Oh, God, I'm so nerdy about fucking instruments. Ugh, guitars you're don't. A, you're just never, geek. never never engage me about pre-CBS fucking Fender. Like, I will talk about it forever, and I'm it's awful. It's stupid. No one wants to fucking talk to me about that. <laughs> I kind of I think that we're both that, those guys in the, in the comic book store that we would hate, except for we're women. <laughs> <laughs> Which makes it more palatable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, even, even women need to see themselves in douchebags, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Wait, ooh, that's douchebag oh, women yeah. need representation too. <laughs> and we're here. We're here for you guys. We're here. Only I'm queer. Oh, get used to it. Get used to um, it. I will never get used to you not being queer. Why would you bring that up? It's such a sore spot. <laughs> so, what would surprise people to know about you? Mm, I think one of my favorite stories is about how I was on. Russell Brand's ill-fated Brand X show. I don't think it lasted very long, but um, he spotted me and I was pregnant. Actually, my due date was like a week out and I went to the taping. <laughs> so for the entire episode, he pretended to try to get me to give birth on live TV. <laughs> and I was, I mean, Russell Brand's fine, but I was more excited about Noel Fielding being a guest on the show. Right. Um, and he actually, he's, he's like, well, maybe if we turn her on, I, if I suck on her finger, she'll give birth. <laughs> <laughs> so that was, that was a fun moment. And, the, and then it happened. He actually did. He suck did on suck finger. on my finger. And that's like mm. my biggest, my biggest flex. Well, I, I mean, a, a very specific sort of person would find that. Watch your feet, guys. She's dropping names. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have had a lot of like random celebrity interactions, just kind of like par for the course in Los Angeles. And if you work in any kind of um, right. social media or fashion uh, or anything in the in the in the industry, in the industry. Yeah, doing crossword puzzles with Matt Damon, being a drinking buddy with Eddie Redmayne in the Dominican Republic, like I've got, or, I've got, I can. I could drop some names. Getting mad dogged by Kyle Richards at a party in Beverly Hills. <laughs> that definitely happened with me. She was not a fan. So fun. And my ongoing beef with Patricia Heaton. Story <laughs> <laughs> for another time. I keep telling the same fucking joke. Um, oh, I love it. Yeah. So, I mean, I haven't really talked on the podcast about having chronic illness, too. I'll make a quick footnote about chronic illness. So I have Crohn's disease, which is um, a really fun time. I really recommend it. Next time you're in the store, pick up some Crohn's disease. Try it out for yourself. Um, it's right next to the, no, you don't want this, and oh, fuck, run away. <laughs> it, it's, I don't really know if it, it's considered an autoimmune or uh, immune disorder, but it's in the same category where your body's basically just fighting itself. So I have like, some really tore up intestines. It looks like I saw the uh, 
I saw the images from my colonoscopy and it like the my intestines look like they're like coated in bubble wrap. I'm like, oh, is that why I'm in pain all the time? Could that possibly be it? So, you know, it, it fucking blows because I my my comfort is food and it's no longer comforting. It's actually a source of pain. So it's been a really weird journey that, you know, I've ended up in the ER too many times, had long hospital stays, have had to do some fun treatments and I'm going to start doing some um, immunosuppressants soon, which is like a infusions. I'll be doing infusions mm-hmm. soon. Um, which is a really fun time to have you, you know, compromised during a pandemic. So yeah, I don't, it's not really something that I, I like to talk about because it's uncomfortable, but the times that I have, especially because I have a, a larger social media platform with tiny bangs, it's good that people know that they're not alone and that, and also understand you're not doomed. It's not, cause I had thought it was kind of like, a death warrant or death sentence when I was diagnosed because it's something that cannot be cured and you have for life, but you can still, you know, adjust to it and have a new normal. So I think it's good for people to see that. What's your sweet spot with nerdiness? And then where, where are you lacking? Well, we bonded over our mutual love of Buffy. I am definitely an encyclopedia about Buffy, but I did grow up on comic books and I I don't I'm not competitive when it comes to comic book knowledge I know a lot of people are especially when you're a girl you're always having to prove yourself that you know about comic books so like I don't read everything I don't feel like I have to know everything but it was a huge part of my childhood and I and I consume them like crazy now especially with a podcast I am it's kind of a feeding into the worst parts of me so I am like looking at the compost list every week and I'm all like, and I'm going to buy that and I'm going to buy that. And this is what's going to lead to my divorce. So yeah, comic books, Buffy. I, d- I dabble in Star Wars. I don't think I go as hard in Star Wars as you do. Um, I love fantasy. I love Lord of the Rings. I used to love Harry Potter. I think those are my main things. And aside from like, I, just, I really like crafting. I don't really know if it counts as being nerdy, but like, yeah, I love fucking crafting, dude. I like needle felting. I like needle pointing. I like sewing. I like hot gluing. I like making things out of things that shouldn't be made. I like I like cursed crafts. I love all of it. And then I guess my blind spot, right? Is that what we were calling it? My blind spot and nerdiness? Sure. Um, video games. I think it's video games and I, and I know enough about it that I can carry on a conversation about it and I can make jokes about like the ET game and be fine. (laughs) I can like code switch, but like, I like the Sims. Like I like, I play the Sims. I played all the Barbie games. Um, Mm -hmm. in the nineties, in the early two thousands, there was a, a game company specifically for girls that wasn't like, really stereotypical and not like a Barbie game or a Mary Kate and Ashley game. It was called Purple Moon. No. And it was like a narrative. If if anyone who's listening remembers Purple Moon, please hit me up so we can squeal about it because it was it was beautiful. Do you have any irrational like what's your biggest irrational fear? Mine's so depressing. No, no, no. It has to be funny. Oh, okay. Like, do you want to hear mine? Yeah. statues (laughs) statues <laughs> I, <hate you. laughs> I almost crashed the car 
because I saw the Statue of Liberty when I was driving in downtown Jersey City and it scared the piss out of me. I couldn't leave a coffee shop in Portland, Oregon, because when I walked in, I didn't see it. But when I was leaving, there was the biggest bronze statue that side of the Mississippi on a building side, Portlandia. <laughs> and I couldn't leave. I physically couldn't leave. I was terrified. You just, I can't you just let with everyone statues. know your kryptonite. I can't with statues. I cannot with statues. <laughs> I go to museums and I'm like, fuck, 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 fuck. <laughs> like, can we just go look at the paintings, please? You act you act like people do when they go to their hometown and they see someone they know. You just like go really even, yes. fast to the grocery even store. If, even if the painting is too big, I get a little nervous. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> is this like a, ghost, I feel a like, Ghostbusters related? Maybe, but I feel like when I was little, I learned about these paintings where you uh, like those, I forget what era it was where they would put things in the paintings where if you saw it from a certain angle, you would like see a skull or something. You know those. Mm. What era is it where they would do those paintings? Anyway, way the, back the in magic the day. eye. No, not those. <laughs> <laughs> like it's not Renaissance, but it's like one of those types of eras of painting. Yeah. Anyway, so I'm always living in fear that I'm going to see something in this painting that I didn't see because it's so big. Like I can't look at it all. <laughs> Dude, speaking of art, can we just talk about how, like, most of the Renaissance era and really the bulk of art and art history is Bible fan art. <laughs> yeah, it is. Oh, you know what? Speaking of art, I actually am quite nerdy and know a lot about early to mid 2000s, seventies uh, to mid 2000s graffiti. Like I, I can actually that's, that's, go toe that's to toe cool. with any graffiti. What a niche. Like, I, know, I know so much about graffiti, but I only bet you've never heard only- about Shepherd Fairy. <laughs> but only up to the 2000s because that's when i broke up with my ex was a graffiti artist and i no longer gave a shit do you know who banksy is then <laughs> do you have a guess i can't i can't tell you can't tell you you signed a non-disclosure okay so what is your biggest irrational fear that i have to retake my driver's test <laughs> do you think you would fail like written or like road you've been in the car with me what do you think yeah okay that's fair (laughs) i also i I have such a huge problem with authority that Uh if you tell uh me to do something i'm gonna get mad Uh Uh uh-huh and you know this because we have a podcast together and you are constantly Uh badgering me like what are we gonna record and i'm like never fuck you mom (laughs) okay back off from the microphone how dare you Yeah, no, the last time we were in a car with me driving, we were going to Norm's, right? We were going to a diner, yes. And you were like, you were like, watch out for that curve. And I'm like, this curve? And I look directly at you with a crazy smile on my face and run over the curb. And mind you, can we, how many, we had as many people as could possibly fit in a minivan in a minivan. Yeah. Mostly children. <laughs> So I was surprised when you did it. <laughs> I am committed to my jokes. All right. So I respect that. What What's your weirdest collection or what's your what's your biggest collection? Children. Okay, that's fair. Um, I guess, I mean, I have a lot of vintage clothes. I have a ton of comic books. I have a lot of books in general. Yeah, you do. 
What is your biggest collection? Obviously, it's Funkos. I have a bunch of fucking Funkos. Like, just a stupid, ridiculous amount of Funkos. Like, every day, and every time I go to buy another one, I'm like, really, bitch? We did it! We did it! Special thanks to our guest, us, because we're a fucking delight. Check out our website, mastersoftheobvious.com, for new episodes, news, and merch. Our Instagram, at Masters of the Obvious. Facebook, at Masters of the Obvious and Twitter at Masters of the O. And if you want to be a patron of our show, you can go to contribute.mastersoftheobvious.com. And if you'd like, we'll even mention you on the show. But if you want to remain anonymous, we understand. We don't want to be associated with us either. Secret friends. Please don't forget to leave a glowing review on Apple Podcasts and to subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. Thank you for listening. And we love you, like, a lot. I'm a busybody doing busybody things, bucko. <laughs>